But I want us to study something here from the 29th chapter of Proverbs. I'll tell you, while you're, while you're doing that, just go ahead and find a New Testament verse. Then we can look at these two at the same time. 2 Corinthians 4. Two places. Proverbs 29. 2 Corinthians 4. Now, how many believe you're going to get something worth hearing today? Now, you know, uh, what kind of services we have are not just totally up to me. It, the utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. You know, we taught all last week on esteeming what you hear. We talked about that quite a bit. And we saw from the Scriptures that you are going, the measure that you meet to what you hear is going to determine how much you get out of it. If you just hear it and think, oh, I know that, I've heard that before, and you're just not paying much attention, well, you won't get much out of it. But if you esteem it as the Word of God, as the riches that will answer all the dilemmas of your life and show you what to do and get you out of problems and get you to the next level of blessing, then you will hear intently. Is that right? You will... I mean, you will relish the words of the Lord. I'm not just talking about Keith Moore's words. I'm talking about the, the words of the Lord. You'll relish His words. You'll savor His words. You'll treasure His words. Like the psalmist said, I rejoice at thy word as he who has found a great spoil. Like you found a big treasure, you rejoice. And when you uh, hear the word like that and receive the word like that, then you're going to... Uh, get a lot out of it. It's going to benefit you tremendously. In Proverbs, the 29th chapter, we'll just read one verse here in Proverbs. Proverbs 29, very familiar verse to many. Proverbs 29, and notice in the 18th verse, Proverbs 29, 18. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Why don't you read that out loud with me one time? Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I want to talk to you about your vision, and I actually want to talk to you about faith and vision, the connection between faith and vision. As we progress, I think you'll be able to see that they're directly connected. Here he said that uh, where there's no vision, the people perish. Another translation says, without a revelation, where there's no revelation, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, and of course that's all they had at this time is the law. Uh, today we've got the whole word of God. We've got the new covenant, New Testament. So you could modify this a little bit by saying just the word of God, the whole thing. Happy is he. Well, you're not going to be happy if you're perishing, right? So you must, the person that's keeping the word before him must have a vision and therefore are not perishing. And so they're happy. Is that right? Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. 
Now, look with 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, before we ask you to turn there. Let's read this verse with this. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4.18. He says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now he talks about looking at things that are seen, and he talks about looking at things that are not seen, doesn't he? How do you look at things that you can't see? Well, he's not talking about a natural looking, is he? I think you can see here that there is a natural seeing or natural vision and that there's also a spiritual seeing or spiritual vision. Amen. Of course, the natural vision that he's talking about is uh, what we see with our, our, our natural eyes. What we see. And, and of course, you know, right over here in this fifth chapter, he said it like this in 5, 7. He said, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, I don't want to sound confusing here, but even though he said we don't walk by sight, he's specific there. He's talking about we don't walk by natural sight. But we, but he as much as said over in that fourth chapter, the 18th verse, that we do operate by another kind of sight. Is that right? We don't walk by natural sight. We don't live by what, we don't just base everything on what we see with our natural eyes, but we do live by what we see with our spiritual eyes. Look at that verse again. Let's, let's, let's look at it again. The 18th verse of that fourth chapter. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at, in other words, you could say, but we look at, the things which are not seen. So there is, he's talking about a kind of sight, isn't he? A looking. Not a natural looking, but a spiritual looking. Spiritual sight. And how many understand that that's what he's talking about over in Proverbs when he says without a vision. That doesn't just mean that unless you can see naturally you're going to perish. Right? If he's just talking about natural vision, then everybody whose eyes worked would have victory. Right? But no, he's talking about another vision, isn't he? He's talking about a vision of another kind. How many understand that you're not just a body? That you're a spirit being. And even if you didn't have a body, you could see. Ever thought about that? Your spirit could still see. Even if you didn't even have any eyes. Physical eyes. Think about it. So that means that you can see spiritually with your natural eyes closed. Is that right? And he's talking about this spiritual vision that's a key to victory. And he says without it you're going to perish. If you don't have it, you're not going to be victorious. You're going to perish. Well, we don't want to perish. 
We want to triumph. Right? We don't want to go under. We want to go over. We don't want to be stopped. We want to go on through. Amen. And what's going to enable us to do that? A vision. We've got to have a vision. Can you, can you see that? Could you say amen to that? We've got to have a vision. Praise God. Now, I'm stirred up about this today. You may not be able to tell it yet. I know it's cold and rainy outside and everybody's still getting warmed up here, but before it's all said and done, we're going to get into it. Amen. We're going we're gonna to get into it. Vision. Vision. The Lord spoke some things to my heart that I hadn't quite seen just that way. Did you hear what I said? I hadn't quite what? Seen. Seen. See, we use this terminology all the time, don't we? If you're talking to somebody and, and uh, you say, do you understand that? And they say, oh yeah, I see. Or that, do they mean that they literally physically saw something? No, they, they're talking about they, they, they see inside. They see it inside. And this kind of seeing is directly connected and linked up with faith. If you walk by faith, you don't walk by natural sight, but faith is accompanied with a spiritual sight. And if you're going to operate in faith, you've got to see. Now, how many could tell me how faith comes? By hearing. But when you hear, what does that produce? If you hear, we just got through saying that if you tell somebody something, if I, if I speak some words to you and you hear them and I, and I say, did you get that? And you say, yeah, I what? I, I see it. Well, you're hearing. But what happens is if you get it, you don't just hear it, you what? You see it. So really we see that not just hearing is involved in faith, but seeing is involved in faith. Is that right? You've got to see it. Whew. I'm already excited now. I know, you, you, you know, because I know what I'm going to get to here in a little bit. That's, that's, that's the deal. You've got to have a vision. Go with me, if you would, over to uh, Psalm 89. Let's just turn to a few scriptures here and get this established. Psalm 89. I just want you to notice one particular phrase here. Psalm 89, verse... 19. Notice this phrase, Psalm 89, 19. It says, Then thou spakest in vision to thy holy one, and said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. He did what? He spoke. How did he speak? In vision. 
So many times if you study the operation of the prophets in the Old Testament, when they had a vision, a lot of times what happened is the Lord began to say something to them, and while they heard it, they saw it. Thou spakest in vision. Do you know that that's the way we all communicate? We speak in vision. If you can't see it, my speaking didn't do any good. We didn't communicate. Right? If you can't picture what I'm trying to communicate to you, then we didn't communicate. you got to see it. If you can't see it, we haven't communicated. So really, words are not the end in and of themselves. Words are just vehicles that we use to paint pictures. Is that right? And somebody that handles words well is like an artist. Is that right? That can take a, a, a blank canvas. Is that right? And paint a picture. I mean, uh, somebody that can, that can really use words well, has a good command of the vocabulary, and, and is a good storyteller or whatever, uh, that you can close your eyes and they can put you there. Is that right? I mean, they can describe it in detail. And every word that they're speaking to you is another stroke of the brush. Is that right? They tell you about how that they were sitting under a tree. Well, that picture's not very clear. But they tell you that it was a huge oak tree. They tell you that the, that the limbs went all the way to the ground. They tell you that there was a cool breeze blowing that day. And they were sitting in an old-fashioned swing. See, with every sentence, what am I doing? I'm, I'm adding, is that right? I'm adding a stroke. They were sitting there in their blue jeans and a sweatshirt. And they had a big glass of iced tea. <laughs> is that right? And as they swung back and forth, their foot would drag along the ground. And make another mark in the ground as they swung. You understand what I'm saying? Now those words, the words that I, we, we could type those words down and look at those letters and analyze them. But those words and letters mean nothing unless you can begin to see what we're talking about. Right? Words and seeing. Communication. You have to see it or elsewise it's, you're just talking in vain. It's just so much wind. You've got to see it. Well, why has God given us His words? Because He wants to put in us His vision. Is that right? He wants us to see the vision He has for us. So He gives us words. If you'll meditate upon these words, God's thoughts are contained in God's words. And as you meditate upon those words, you'll begin to see. I said you'll begin to see. And the more you meditate in them, the clearer you will see. Now you can't get it unless you can see it. You can sit and read the Bible just methodically, just, you know, as a duty. And you can say, well, I read X amount of chapters today. Yeah, but what did you see? Oh, 
I said, what did you see? Because if you didn't see anything, then it really didn't help you that much. You've got to see. I know that's the most amazing thing to me because it is an actual spiritual revelation that occurs as you feed in faith on God's Word. I know I've read portions of Scripture many times and then read it again carefully and as you read it and study it, I mean the Spirit of God just caused it to come off the page to you and you realize what happened. You see it. Amen. The Spirit of God can cause you to virtually uh, relive these things. Recording this book with these people. So many times people just read it like they're reading some, some secular history book or something. And they just, you know, commit memories to verse and they, uh, excuse me, verses to memory. But they don't really get a revelation and see. And that's why it's not changing their life any more than it is. Because it's not going to affect you until you see it. You've got to see it. And I'm not talking about uh, falling into a trance. I'm not, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about some spectacular, phenomenal experience. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the same thing that any Christian can and should have. A spiritual revelation. Revelation means that which is revealed, that which is uncloaked, that which is made manifest. Why? So you can see it. So why is the same word is, the words are used interchangeably in this verse or our text we read, without a vision the people perish. One translation says, or two or three actually, without a revelation. Without a revelation. So getting a revelation of God's Word and seeing things in the Word and from the Word is saying the same thing. You've got to see it. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, chapter 13. And notice something. Now, this particular verse we're going to look at here, it's, it's been quoted several times throughout the Bible. I, I believe Isaiah was the first one to speak it by inspiration, but then these other writers were inspired to record it again. And so you see it several times throughout the Bible. But in Matthew chapter 13, notice this. Matthew 13, verse 13 Well, let's, uh, let's just back up because this, this actually overlaps a little bit with some things we, we looked at last week. He said, verse 12, Matthew thirteen twelve, Whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables. Now see, how many understand that Jesus taught in parables all the time? What were parables? They, they were natural illustrations of spiritual truth. Why, was he, why did he use those things so much? So the people could see. They, they've got to be able to see how this operates. And he said, uh, 
Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, unfeeling and insensitive, you could say. Their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Did you notice the connection between these three things? Hearing, seeing, and understanding in the heart. You hear it. If you can hear it and see it and get a revelation of it in your heart, he said, then you could be converted. That word convert just simply means to turn or to change, make the changes that you needed to, and you could be healed. We want to be healed. But before you can be healed, you've got to see it. I said, you've got to see it. Before you can be healed, you must see it. You've got to see it in the Word. How many understand that it's possible to read Scriptures and read Scriptures and not see it? It's possible to come to meetings and hear and hear and read books and hear and not see it. Have you ever gone over something several times before and maybe the 40th time you heard it or saw it that, that you said, Oh! That... That's what that means. And, and, and a lot of times you say, I see it, I see it, I see it. Amen. Well, you hadn't seen it before then. Right? But now you do. You've got to see it. And friend, you got, I mean, that, that's what's confusing to a lot of people because you've got people that can quote scriptures. They've got books and tapes. But really tell the truth, they hadn't seen it yet. I said, they haven't seen it yet. They haven't seen it yet. And there is a continual revelation of seeing. Even though you see some things, you still hadn't seen it all. Amen. Right? In, the, in that particular area I'm talking about. Amen. And so there is a continuing revelation all through life as you walk with God. Amen. You see a little bit, but if you just keep on meditating in the things of God and walking with Him, you'll see more, and then you'll see more, and then you'll see more. Amen. But listen to me carefully. Until you see it, you won't have it. You won't possess more than you can see. You've got to see it before you'll be able to possess it and have it. I remember that God told Abraham to go up on a high place and he said, look north, look south, look east, look west, because I'm going to give it all to you. Well, what did he tell him before he told him he was going to give it all to him? He said, look. Well, I want you to look. See all this? I want you to get a good, good, good view of all this. You see all this? He said, yeah, I see it. He said, I'm going to give it all to you. And he had to, how many understand that he had to get, give Abraham a vision before Isaac ever came? And of course, after Isaac was the, 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 you know, seed of, of Israel and, and all the Jews and, and David and the seed of David and now all of us are of the seed of Abraham, you understand? And how many understand that this prophecy is coming to pass? That Abraham's seed is like the what? Stars 
up in the heaven, you see, and the sand on the seashore. Well, see, that's the first thing God did to him. He took him outside. He said, Abraham, come outside. I guess one night, you know. Abraham was minding those, his own business, I guess, in his tent. And, and Abraham, as God spoke to him. Abraham, come outside. Well, it was Abram at that time. Abram, come outside. So he came out. He said, Abram, look up in the sky. Now, now why is God doing this? What? He's wanting him to get a vision. Why? Because here's the man that's going to be called the father of faith. And father of many nations, but father of faith. And the first thing he did with the, with the father of faith is he got, he's got to what? Get him a vision. Do you see that faith and vision are inseparable? You don't have faith without having a vision. You've got to have a vision. And so he told him, he said, Abram, look up. See all those stars. Oh yeah, God, they're beautiful. Beautiful. Amazing. He said, count them. And of course, this is, of course, before the days of the telescope, you know. And they got huge telescopes now, and they still can't count them. And uh, he said, uh, I can't. I can't count them, Lord. It's too many. He said, that's how many children you're going to have. Your descendants will be that many. That many. And he said, can you count the grains of sand on the seashore? He said, oh, God, no, no. He said, that's how many your descendants will be. Your seed will be that many. Now, you've got you to remember that the man doesn't have one child at this time. He and Sarah have no children. Now, that's a big vision. Is that a big vision? Big vision. And the reason Abraham is in the book and the reason he is called the friend of God. And the reason why he was counted righteous under the old covenant and enjoyed fellowship with God that probably nobody else in his generation did. Is because he said, I believe it, Lord. God said, that's my man. That's, that's my man. He believes what I told him. It's bigger than his head can wrap around. There's no way he can count it. But he just says, you can do it, God. I believe it. I'm looking for it. And there was born in him a vision of him having descendants so vast in multitude, just like the stars in the heavens and like the sand on the seashore for multitude. And he carried that vision in him for years. Is that right? Until his faith and Sarah's faith Received the conception of Isaac, and he was born, and the dream began. Can you see that? Vision. Vision. I mean, you, if we had time and were so inclined, we could just go to Hebrews 11. And just look at every person that said that they had faith, and see that every one of them had a vision. There's no such thing as somebody having faith without having a vision. 
Joseph's in there, isn't he? Hebrews 11. What's the first thing that God did with Joseph just as a boy? Gave him a dream. Is that right? Gave him a vision. Is that right? And Joseph so believed that vision until it kept him going through slavery, through the prison, through the darkest times of his life. It kept him from giving up. It kept him from trying to commit suicide or just doing something crazy. He hung on. He had a vision. And that's the same thing as saying the man had faith. He had a vision. He believed in that vision. He expected that vision to come to pass. And that's the same thing as saying the man had faith. And it happened. It came to pass. It was years in coming on that particular thing. But it came to pass. And he saw his brothers come and bow down before him. Even his mom and dad. Just like he saw represented in the dream. It came to pass. Because he was appointed leader over the whole land of Egypt. You show me somebody that's had faith. And I'll show you somebody that had a vision. There was birthed in them a vision. They got that vi- the vision comes can come many different ways. <coughs> Brother Hagin said this. He said the Lord, in one of the visions that he had, he said the Lord told him this particular thing. Uh, that the lowest type of vision and the highest type of revelation were very, very similar. He said the Lord told him that. That the uh, lowest type of vision and the highest type of revelation were very similar. You can read about that in his book, I Believe in Visions, page 117, I believe it is. And... Uh, Revelation and vision, can you see? We've already said that, that the, the, those two words are used almost interchangeably there in that 29th chapter of Proverbs. Without a revelation, people perish. Without a vision, people perish. The uh, highest type of revelation and lowest type of vision, very similar. Have you ever gotten a revelation from God? Anybody in here ever got a revelation from God? Do you know what we're talking about? Now, if you're born again... I know you had a revelation. There's no way you could be born again without a revelation. Revelation of what? Revelation that you were lost. Is that right? A revelation that Jesus died for you and paid the price for your sins. That he's raised from the dead. That he loves you. That you could be saved by believing on him. Is that right? And that you could make heaven and miss hell. Now... Let me just ask you this. How many heard that truth many times before you saw it? I mean saw it to the point where you acted on it. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you might have uh, seen it before you acted on it. But you had to see it before you could act upon it. You had to see it. I mean, who knows how many times people have gone to church, they've heard preaching, they've heard teaching, they've heard about salvation, but they, for whatever reason, they didn't respond. But one day, it just comes real to them. Is that right? And they see it. And they realize, my God, I'm on my way to hell. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And and this thing is real. And Jesus is real. And i got to get saved. And they see it. They see where they're going. 
They see what's got to happen for them to be saved. They see what Jesus has done for them. No, they don't fall into a trance. But they get a revelation of it in their spirit and they see it. They see it. And once they see it, then they can act on it and receive it, you see. Well, the same thing's got to happen with your healing. Same thing's got to happen with your healing. You can hear 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. You can hear Matthew 8.17, he took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. You can hear that hundreds of times and not really phase you that much. You can be able to quote it, but that's not the issue. You've got to get a revelation of it. You've got to see it. It's got to come real to you. The light of that truth has got to dawn on your heart. Amen. Until you see how that he took stripes upon his back. How that he took the source of sickness and disease. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. You see it. You see it. How that the same way he's provided salvation for you in the new birth, he's provided healing for you. How many of those multitude of Christians, they've never seen that. They've, to this day, they have not seen it. I'm not talking about two or three people or a few thousand. I'm talking about multitudes of Christians. And here's something that you, you may not realize. There are many, many Christians in word and faith charismatic circles that have never seen it. And yet they can quote the scripture to you. They can quote it to you. I know, uh, you know, the same thing is true with uh, prosperity. You can hear the word of God that Jesus, you know, became poor, that you might be rich. You, you can read that he supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, etc., etc., etc. If you give, it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you tithe and put God first, he'll open the windows of heaven, rebuke the devourer. But, you know, you can hear that and just, you know, just kind of go over your head. You can even mentally ascend to it. But you've got to see it. I said, you've got to see it. I know I've been here at Rhema. Graduated from, from Rhema. Been in the ministry for some years. And I'll be real honest. You know, I got such a revelation just a couple of years ago about giving and receiving until it felt like to me that I'd never seen anything. I'd heard it. I was a giver. But I hadn't seen it. Now, I hadn't seen all there is to see uh, now. Don't you misunderstand me? But God opened my eyes and helped me to see that these are not just nice words. If you give <laughs> in faith, it will be given back to you. God will deal with people to give to you. He'll wake them up in the middle of the night. He'll get in the car with them. You understand what I'm saying? If you give, if you put him first, he's going to rebuke the devourer. Keep the, the devil won't be able to tear up your stuff like he tears up other people's stuff. You understand? Blessings are going to come from the right, from the left, from the front, from the back. They're going to come overtake you. I get so stirred up about it, you know. You just want to tell everybody. I'm telling you, in the last couple of years, you know, I saw some things. And the more I looked at it, then when I began to see, I started looking at it more. And then the more I looked at it, the more I saw. And the more I looked at it, the more I saw. 
And do you understand? I could, before this, I could have taught you a good lesson on prosperity. But I really hadn't seen it that much. But man, the more I saw it, the more excited I got. Amen. Until I got so excited, I began to do something. I began to act <laughs> more on the Word of God than I had been acting. I began to give more. I began to give more directions. And I'm telling you, it's working. It's working. My Lord, if I, if I could just stand here and tell you everything that I've been given this past year, it'd take the rest of the time and, and all afternoon. I mean from here, from there, 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 from here, from there. Things, money, favor, gifts, money, things, money, favor, gifts, money, things. Amen. But that's the way I'm living now, though, is giving, giving, giving. Things, money, favor. Things, money, things, gifts, money. You understand what I'm saying? That's the way I'm living. There's been weeks I've given away $100 and it's come back to me and I give it away and it's come back to me and I give it away and it's come back to me three or four, three times in a week. <laughs> Just can't get rid of that hundred. You give it away and somebody walk up and hand you one. You give it away and somebody walk up and hand you one. <laughs> but see, the thing is, when you sow a hundred, you don't just reap a hundred. You reap multiplied. 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 Manifold. Now, you know, you, you, you say these things and you can tell by the looks on some people's face, you know, that they, ah, Brother Keith, that's all right for you. You know, you're a preacher. And people see. The Bible didn't say give, and if you're a preacher, it'll be given back to you. I was a preacher for years, and it wasn't happening like that. And I know lots of preachers right now, it's not happening that way for them. But you want me to tell you where that started? Where it started? It started with a vision. God help me to get a vision inside of me that I am not going to be a stingy, penny pincher, selfish. I'm going to give. And I'm going to have to give. And I'm going to get out of debt. And I'm going to give big. And I, got, I, I begin to meditate upon the Word of God and in prayer talk to the Lord about it and He begin to help me see myself coming out. Amen. But before it ever happened, in, before anything began to happen in the natural, I saw it first. I saw it inside here. I saw myself paying stuff off. I saw myself handing people money. I saw myself buying people stuff. I saw myself. I saw myself doing it. Before I could do it. Physically, I saw myself doing it. And after I began to see myself doing it and began to do what I could, God began to bless me so I could do more. So I could do more. So I could do more. It starts out little. That's what we talked about. The little. Little. 
You really don't care what you're talking about. The way, the way to victory is faith, the Bible tells us. Your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But if you're going to have faith, you've got to have what? Got to have a vision. You've got to see it. If you're going to have a good marriage, before you can have a good marriage, so, well, I'm just going to put my faith on it. Yeah, but what are you going to put your faith on? Let me, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you something the Lord spoke to my heart today. He spoke to my heart that your faith produces the blueprint of your vision. Your faith is going to produce the blueprint of your vision. Let me say that again. I want you to think about it. Your faith is going to produce what? The blueprint of your vision. What kind of vision do you have? That's what your faith is going to build. That's what your faith is going to produce. What, what did Jesus tell the woman with the issue of blood? She pressed through that crowd. She touched his clothes. What did he tell her? Your faith has done what? Your faith made you whole. What did she say before she pressed through that crowd? If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. She had a blueprint. She had a vision. And she pressed through the crowd and touched his clothes and her faith yes, yes. produced her vision. Yes, the Lord told her it was her faith that did it. Her faith produced the result. Of course, we know it was the power of God that affected the change. But if it was just the power of God, then the power of God was on Jesus and everybody that touched him should have been affected. But no, it was the faith that made the difference. He told her, your faith made you whole. But before she had faith, what'd she have? She had a vision. She had a vision before she ever got to the crowd. Because the Bible said the implication there in the Greek is she kept saying. She kept saying, if I can just touch his clothes. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I can just touch. What did she see inside herself? She saw herself touching his clothes. Then what did she see? Her being healed. And then her faith produced her vision. Can you say amen? Oh, friend, this is exciting if you get a hold of it. I'm telling you, it's exciting. If you have no vision, you have no blueprint, and your faith builds that and produces that, then what do you have? Nothing. You know, it's like this. And if you want somebody to build a house, you can have the best contractors there are. And you tell them, you know, build me a house. And they say, what kind? You just say, oh, just, just a house. Just build me a house. Well, if they do build one, it won't be your vision. It'll be their vision. Is it right? How can they build your house Unless you tell them your vision. Is that right? They can't build your house for you unless you tell them your vision. What are they going to... I mean, they can have the lumber. They can have the cement truck out there. They can have the steel. They can have all the materials. They can have the the laborers, the workers. They're ready. But what are you going to build? Is that right? Where do we start? How big do we pour the foundation? Where are the rooms going to be? It's going to be one story, two, three, 
Hmm? How many? Somebody's got to have a vision and put it on paper. Is that right? And then once you got the vision, then the workers have got something to work with. Your faith works to produce. But what's it going to produce? Your vision. Can you see that? Your faith is going to work to produce your vision. Now when I say your vision, I'm talking about the vision that's in you. And I'm not just talking about you just sitting around and and, and trying to imagine something and daydream about something. I'm talking about you getting a revelation from God. From His Word. If you'll feed on His Word and meditate on His Word, if you'll spend time with Him, talking to Him about it in prayer, He will paint a picture inside of you. The Spirit of God will illuminate inside of you a picture of you doing this, or having this, or being in this certain condition or situation. And if you can get that solid inside of you, then you put your faith on that. Uh, you know, something. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, the Lord had to correct me a little bit on this. Because I was being too non-specific with my faith on, on some things. I was, you know, uh, sometimes people think they're just waiting on God. Well, God's just going to do for me whatever He wants me to have. <laughs> but I'm telling you, God has left a lot of it up to us. You understand? And whatever we're hungry enough to seek Him for, He'll begin to give us different levels of the vision. And we can't take it and we can't uh, grab it with our faith and let our faith begin to work to produce that until we get it from Him. And it's just easier to be fleshy and not seek after the vision and get what you need for the next step in your life. Absolutely one of the most important things that you could ever get from God is His vision for you. His plan for you. His purpose for you. Why are you here? What does He want you to do? What does He want you to accomplish down here before your life is over? You know, in different Christian circles, even in charismatic circles, I wouldn't say anything much to these people personally about it, but 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 there's some people I, I don't like the way they teach and preach. They They just leave the idea... That you're never going to know what God wants you to do. You just kind of go through life and everything that happens will be what he wants you to do. I understand a lot of people, they, they leave that impression. And some just come right outright and say it. Well, if you're a Christian and you love the Lord, then he's going to just, you know, he's going, everything is going to happen the way he wants it to. You won't know it. But see, they really eliminate your involvement in it. And that's not true. I said that's not true. It's our responsibility to get from him his vision for us. And if we don't get it, what will happen? If we don't get the vision, we'll perish. Many are being destroyed because they don't have a vision. You know, the first vision, you've got to get a vision for being saved, being a Christian. Then you need to get a vision for being filled with the Spirit and full of power. Is that right? You need to get a vision for being healthy. You need to get a vision for being prosperous. 
need to get a vision for having a good strong family. Is that right? And then you need to get a vi- you need to get a vision for what God wants you to do. If He wants you to work on a secular job, well, many people it is, that's His will for many people, and that's good and that's right. But you need to know what does He want me to do, and how does He want me to be a blessing, and my involvement in the local church, and what kind of uh, ministry does He want me to have? What can I do? What does He have for me? You know, just because you're a, a, not a preacher doesn't mean you can't be spiritual. Everybody's supposed to be spiritual. Is that right? Yes. And everybody's got a call on their life. Doesn't mean you got to quit your job. God wants people on the job. He wants people rubbing shoulders with the world. You understand? We're the salt of the earth, the light of the earth. But, but, you can't just go through bumping through life. You need to get down and seek God. And seek Him. And thank, you know, one thing here is that's so precious is being able to pray in other tongues. Because how are you going to pray about the future? You're kind of limited there, aren't you? I mean, you say, God, give me what you want. God, what, what, I want to know what you want me to do. Give me, show me what you want me to, to see. Well, but what else do you say then? Hmm? How many understand you, you run out of something to say praying about the future? It doesn't take too long. But thank God, the Spirit of God enables us through speaking and praying in other tongues. And if you don't do that, you can. I said you can. If you believe otherwise, you believe wrong. If you don't do that, you can. And it will enable you to pray out the mysteries concerning your future, concerning your plan. That's one of the greatest uh, benefits of being able to speak in other tongues. I remember uh, many years ago, before I ever came out here to go to school or anything, I was still tarrying to receive the Holy Ghost. And I tarried and tarried and tarried. And if you don't know about Pentecostal circles and their traditions, then you don't know what that means. But it means spending a lot of time in the altar and not getting much done is what it means. (laughs) But... uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost was so I could speak in tongues so I could pray out my future. That was my primary motivation. Now, don't analyze that doctrinally. I'm not asking you to. But I'm just telling you where I was at, all right? Because I, I, I knew God had something for me to do and I didn't have the foggiest idea what it was. You understand what I'm saying? And, and I, you know, I had no ministerial background. I had no ministerial training. And, and yet I, I, I got dissatisfied in my heart. I knew God had something else for me. I knew God wanted me to do something, but I didn't know what. I didn't know. Now, you know, he didn't tell me. He could have. He could, you know, right there where I was at. In Laurel Hill, Mississippi. In the woods. He could have told me that he wanted me to come to a place in Oklahoma called Broken Arrow. A place called Rama Bible Training Center and go to school there and then stay and be involved with healing school and then begin to teach healing school and then begin to teach in Rama Bible Training Center and then begin to go all over the country and hold meetings and this and that. But I would imagine that it was great wisdom that he didn't tell me that. 
Here's what I said. Because I don't, <coughs> who's to say how well I would have responded to that, you know. Because if I had looked at that task and responsibility and then looked at my abilities where I was at, I'd have said no way. And for where I was at, there would have been no way. But by the time I got to that, he had prepared me. Can you see that? So he didn't tell me. He didn't tell me. But praise God, I finally, you know, received from Brother Hagin's little book, what is it, Seven Steps, How to Receive the Holy Ghost. And I began to speak in other tongues. Praise God. And I spoke in tongues and spoke in tongues and spoke in tongues. God help me. Pray out, because the Bible says when you speak in tongues, you speak, you speak mysteries. Well, see, what am I supposed to do? It's a mystery to your head. God, what do you have for me? It's a mystery to your mind. But by being able to pray in other tongues, you pray out the mysteries. Brother Hagin said this some years ago. I've never forgotten it. He said, mysteries prayed out bring revelation. If you pray out the mystery, it causes revelation to come. Well, what is revelation? What have we been saying that revelation is? Revelation is seeing. Is that right? You see something. You get a vision. You get a vision. But you, you cannot... Uh, step into things and begin to do things and, and pursue things and make progress until you're able to take it with your faith. And you can't do it with your faith until you see it. Your faith is going to produce your vision. Little vision, then your faith is going to produce a little. Big vision, your faith will produce big. Your faith is going to build your house according to the blueprint of your vision. Can you see that maybe sometimes people have been thinking, well, I need to work on my faith, I need to work on my faith. Uh, they may need to back up a little bit and work on their vision. Work on their vision. Thanks be to God. Now, go with me to Proverbs 4. Let's talk just a little bit more about specifically about healing in connection with having a vision and having victory. You know this passage, but let's look at it again. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Let's begin in verse 10. Proverbs 4.10. He said, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. How many know you need a vision for, for living a long time? If the Lord tears his coming... You need to have a vision to live a long time. Right? Who are you going to get a vision to live a long time? What do you say? Hear my son and receive my sayings. I tell you what, if you'll meditate on the appropriate scriptures, it'll produce within you a vision of longevity. Now, if you listen to statistics, are you listening? And if you talk about this genetic defect and this... DNA defect and, and this hereditary problem and <clears throat> you understand and how many die by this age and your particular class and your particular color and gender and age bracket be you male or female or you see you, you can have a vision in you based on statistics or you can have a vision based on the word of God. 
And what people do not realize is that they have a vision in them. I said they have a vision in them. Or they have one that's being formed in them. And it's not necessarily good. Not necessarily good. The enemy is always trying to get a vision in you. A vision of failure. A vision of defeat and destruction. He'll do it through just bringing thoughts to you. He'll do it through others speaking words. He'll do it through bringing to your remembrance other people that have failed. What happened to them? You understand? And he's working continually to get that vision in you so that you begin to see yourself going down, failing. If you're attacked with sickness, he wants, to, he wants you to see yourself dying. If you're having financial problems, he wants you to see yourself going down, losing everything, having to file bankruptcy or getting everything repossessed or whatever. He wants you to, you know, uh, that's why people get so worried and get so scared. It's because, you know, when they're worried, why are they worried? It's because of what they're looking at. What are they looking at? They're looking at what the enemy's bringing them. You understand the enemy has mental videos he'll bring to you. Won't even charge you any rent on them. He'll let you keep them for months. Won't you to? He'll give them to you. Is that right? Amen. <laughs> He'll even help run them for you. Is that right? He'll put it in. The title of it is You Going Down. And he, he'll bring thoughts to your mind that paints mental pictures of you getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Of you going down. Of you failing. Of you coming up short. Can you understand the enemy is always trying to produce in you a vision of failure, a vision of death, a vision of destruction, a vision of, let's say that you're, you're needing to get out of where you are and change from where you are. He'll paint a picture of you staying where you are the rest of your life or getting worse. You understand that? And you can tell when people have been looking at these things and listening to these things it's because they're sad. They're depressed. You don't have to be, you don't have to have a spiritual uh, gift in operation to tell who's been watching the enemy's videos. Who's been listening to his thoughts and entertaining the, the vision that he's been, been giving them and feeding them they're the sad ones, the depressed ones. And it's not hard to tell who's been letting God put his vision into them. They're the ones with the smile you can't wipe off. They're the ones with the spring in their step. They're the ones with the twinkle in their eye. They're the ones that always keep talking about what the Lord's doing and what the Lord's going to do. God is always trying to get his vision for you in you. The devil is always trying to get his vision for you in you. Why? Because God has set it up that way. And of course the enemy has discovered that your faith is going to produce what? Your vision. 
Your vision. Now, do you understand that fear is actually an inverted form of faith? It's believing. Believing and being persuaded of something, which that's what faith is. But it's just being believing, believing the wrong thing, being persuaded of the wrong thing, expecting a bad thing to happen. And so what the enemy wants to do is to get your faith to work against you. To put a vision in you, because he, know, he knows how God has set this thing up. And so he knows that your faith will produce your vision. So he knows all he's got to do is slip a wrong vision in on you. And you're going to do yourself in. You understand? Kind of, kind of like slipping the wrong software in a computer. You know? If you slip a virus in there or something. Put a, put a wrong part, you know, in, in your engine. Because, you know, take a copy machine. You know, what, what's it going to make copies of? Whatever you put in there. Is that right? And your spirit will take the vision that, that uh, is impacted upon it. And if you believe God, your faith will reproduce that. Now see, it's a spiritual thing, but I said your faith will produce that where? Out here in the natural. God has, has set it up that way. God has set it up that way. Notice in Proverbs 4, he goes on to say, down in this uh, latter portion of the, of the chapter, he said, verse 18, he said, The path of the just is as the shining light. It shines more and more until the perfect day. Well, now, the more light you have, what does that mean? That's the more you can see, right? And we've already said that, you know, you, you don't see it all at one time, but you see some, and then you see some more, and you see some more. And if you're walking with God, the path of the just, then you're going to continue to be getting more light and seeing more. In verse 20, he said, My son, attend to my words. Uh, incline your ear to my sayings. And that's what he said. He said, listen to them. And in verse 21, what? Let them not depart from your eyes. Hear them and keep them in front of your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. What's going to happen if you're continually hearing it and, and seeing it and you get it in your heart? you got a vision. Then it's going, your faith's going to produce that vision and it's going to be life to you and it's going to be health or medicine to all of your flesh. Can you say amen? Now go with me, if you would, back to Genesis and we'll close with some of these thoughts. And in Genesis, I believe it's the 11th chapter I want you to look at. A lot of scriptures and things we could look at, but for time's sake, we'll just, we'll just notice this. Genesis 11. Verse 1. It says, The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. 
And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. There's unity there. And they have all one language. They're all saying the same thing. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have what? Imagined. Now, the word imagined is, is from the word image. Is that right? And what is an image? Image is something you see. Well, we're right back to vision, aren't we? Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do, which they have seen, which they have envisioned, you could say, to do. (coughs) And you know the story that God had to go down and confound their speech to keep them from doing it. Because they were doing it in the wrong way. I don't think that many have really realized how powerful the human spirit and faith in a human spirit is. Especially if you get a group of people together. And they all embrace the same vision. And they come into unity to cause it to come to pass. And they put their faith together. And you get corporate vision, one vision, and corporate faith to bring it to pass. It was so powerful in the negative that God had to personally intervene and say, no, no, I don't want this. Do you see that? Well, see, God never intended that man use it that direction. He intended that man use it the right direction. And, of course, he wouldn't, he wouldn't intervene. If it was going the right way, he'd be prospering it. But you know, the devil was watching this, wasn't he? And he saw what, what the Lord said about this, and he saw what happened. So he realized that if he could keep us from having the right vision, and if he could keep us from getting in unity, he could keep us from doing the good thing. Hello, see, the enemy just has watched God and perverted the things. He's the enemy is not a creator. He's a perverter. He just perverts things. But did you see that he's that God said, now the Lord said, that because of their unity, uh, their unity uh, of, of words and their unity of speech and their unity of vision, nothing would be restrained from them. They could do anything that they'd conceived and seen and envisioned and imagined. They could do it. I think you can see in the world today, people that don't even know God, just the human spirit, they get a vision in them, I'm going to make a success in this area. Is that right? And then faith, just, just, I'm not talking about faith necessarily in God, just, just human faith. They believe that they're going to do that, you see. And, of course, God allows people certain latitude. I mean, he doesn't just step in and, and, and prevent people from doing everything. He allows us certain latitudes. If it was bothering his work enough like this, he'd have to intervene. But to a certain degree, you see people doing that all over. I've listened many times to people that have made great success in different areas. And again and again and again and again and again. 
You see them, they had a vision. Sometimes they had it way back when they were a little child. They had a vision of doing this certain thing. Of being a a successful entertainer. Of being a wealthy individual. Of being the president of a large company. Of being an inventor. Of being a this and that. They had a vision in them. They nourished that vision. And their faith produced their vision. See, people are operating in those principles, even just in natural things. How much more should we see success when we actually get our vision from God? And how many know that when you want what God wants, for the same reason He wants it, who can stand before you? Who? I mean, because you've got God on your side. You haven't got God trying to interrupt you. You've got God on your side pushing it forward. And if the enemy gets in the way, well, he can't stop it. He might try to hinder your delay, but he can't stop it. You get a vision. You get a vision. Now, as I was thinking about these things, the Lord reminded me how that again and again, when I uh, or my wife and I or different people that I agreed with or got in faith with about different things, that we really, we got in faith and we got results Again and again and again, when it, re- when it came to pass and we had results, I had a vision of it in my heart. I, I saw it. I either saw it as I meditated on the Word, or as I was praying, communing with the Lord, I saw it. A lot of times I've gotten things like that while I, uh, both ways, both ways, in the Word, just reading the Word, feeding on the Word, and in prayer. Get a vision. Get a vision. I know I was praying about some things just last night. Just last night. And some things I had prayed about for some time. Some time. But last night, God opened my eyes and I saw this thing going another direction. I saw it going the way I wanted. And and it hadn't happened yet in the natural. But I can see it. And because I can see it going that way, I can believe it. My faith can produce what I see. Amen. You gotta see it. Now I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about vain daydreaming. I'm talking about a spiritual revelation. I'm talking about you see, I don't, I don't mean I fell in a trance. But I could see this going a different way. I could see that. Uh, you know, I, in different situations, ministerially, every time I've had a breakthrough, I could see myself. And oh, God's been dealing with me about some things in that area too. I can see myself, see myself doing certain things. And until you see it, can't step into it. Because your faith's going to produce your vision. You're not going to rise above your vision. And without a vision, you'll just perish. If you don't have any additional vision, you'll just stay where you are. The vision that you have has been what your faith has produced to get you where you are. If you're going to go further, then you're going to have to have more vision. Further vision. Is that right? I love people with a vision. I said I like people with a vision. That's one thing that is, it irritated me uh, about different areas and different groups and different people if they have no vision. I mean, it's no crime to be on the bottom. You understand what I'm saying? To be on the bottom... Spiritually, to be on the bottom, 
financially to be on the bottom. And what it's, it's not a crime to be on the bottom, but you know, it's a crying shame to not have any vision to leave there. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, people that have no vision just simply have no faith. You take a person of faith and vision and you could strip them of everything they've got and you could stick them in the worst place on the planet and they won't stay there. They might be there a little while, but they won't stay there. Why? Because they got a vision and they have faith and there's a God in heaven that'll pull them out. But I'm telling you, there's some people, you could pull them out of their bad situation and you could give them everything in the world and it wouldn't be very long until they'd be right back where they were because they don't have a vision. I said they don't have a vision. And what's going to give people a vision? The Word of God. The Holy Spirit. Amen. If you want to move from where you are to a higher place, Better health, better financial condition, uh, better relationship with God, better marriage, better family, better job situation. Whatever the case might be, it's not just going to start here in this natural realm. It's going to start with you getting a vision. As you meditate in God's Word, as you pray and fellowship with God, He will reveal to you. And you will begin to see yourself coming up. Begin to see yourself. And once you see that, my friend, and once you begin to expect that, all the demons in hell can't hold you down. Because God has committed himself to respond to your faith and to honor his word that you believe. And oh, if people only realized, they're not just waiting on God. God's waiting on them. When are you going to believe? When are you going to have a vision? You know, different. I've visited different places before, and don't don't. I hope you don't misunderstand me. But like I said, it's not, it's nothing wrong with being on. Not a crime to be on the bottom. It's not a sin to be down. But you talk to people and you fellowship with people, and you can tell they don't have one ounce of faith. They don't have any vision for anything better. No vision. They have resigned themselves to their existence. Well, see, you could, you could lavish money and you could spend money on projects and you can do things, but until you get a vision in that people, you hadn't really helped them. I understand if somebody's starving, you can put food in their mouth and keep them alive long enough to get a vision. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? And help somebody temporarily. But I'm saying until you get a vision in a people, then you haven't, you haven't helped them concerning their future. And any help they may have will just be a temporary situation. People must have a vision. And I know every aspect of what vision I have, which is not that much compared to what can be had, but I'm, I'm moving up all the time. I have gotten it from my God. I have gotten it out of this book. So much of it I have gotten out of this book. As I ponder in this book and read this book, I begin to see what God wants for me. He doesn't want me down. He wants me up. He doesn't want me sick. He wants me healed. Amen. And I, I, and I can see that. 
Oh, I tell you, I know people have done it in ignorance, but there's been many a man, many a woman stood in the pulpit and from that pulpit painted a picture of God wanting you to be down and not have anything because some mysterious reason that he's doing things. They painted a lie. They painted a portrait that's not true. And so many people have embraced that in their hearts and they have that vision. And that's what their faith's been producing for years. But oh, if you can get the vision changed, if you can get the vision changed, then the faith will begin, begin to produce the new vision. And as the faith produces the new vision, you're going to see changes in this life. It may not just happen all in one day or two, but it will begin to change. Do you realize how precious the vision is? Do you realize how precious the vision for God's plan for your life is? So precious. So precious. I'm trying to close here, but I, I want you to, I want you to understand this before we leave here today. That any effort that you might make seeking God, searching His Word, praying is a small price to pay to get a revelation of the vision that God has for you. God has good things. God has good things for people right here. Right here in this place today. I'm not talking about people outside these walls. He has good things for everybody. But I'm talking about right here. I speak by the Spirit of God. Oh, the heart of God yearns toward us. But He's got to get His vision implanted within us. Elsewise, we won't have all that He has warned us to have. Now, whether you understand why it's that way or not is really irrelevant because it's still that way. You gotta see it. So many times, even though people are in word and faith circles and they quote scriptures, really, the truth be known, they don't have a vision. They don't have a vision of, of, of betterment. They don't have a vision of coming from where they are. They don't have a vision. They don't have a vision. Oh, but if you'd spend some time with God, spend some time in His, in His Word, spend some time in prayer with Him, He'll show you some things. I don't mean you'll, you'll fall into a trance. I don't mean you have a spectacular experience. But you'll begin to see yourself doing things you hadn't thought about doing. Begin to see yourself having things you hadn't thought you would have. Begin to see yourself involved with things you never thought you'd be involved with. And if you can see it, you can have it. I said if you can see it, you can have it. If you can see it, you can have it. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.